0: Welcome back to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving. I'm Anisha. And I'm Krupa. We're really excited about today's episode because we have a special guest. Yes,
1: today we get to speak with a really amazing person, Kai Doran. This will be part one of a
0: two-part interview with Kai. Kai, welcome. We're so happy to have you. I'm really
2: glad to be here today.
0: So today, Kai will be sharing their experience with body dysmorphia and hopefully offer us a little bit of advice and insight based off of that. Kai, thanks so much for speaking with us today. So first off, could you tell us a little bit about
2: the eating disorder you dealt with and what was your recovery like? I struggle with anorexia and I have been in recovery for about a year and a half at this point. Um, I'm 17 now and when I was diagnosed when I was 15 years old um, after struggling with it since middle school. So it definitely took a while for people to catch on because of heart complications due to my eating disorder. I spent my sophomore year of high school in and out of the hospital. I was caught in a really bad relapse cycle. So in junior year, it was kind of clear that something needed to change for me to actually get better and for me to have the life that I wanted to live. So I was put in something called a partial hospitalization program, which essentially means that like, instead of going to school, I would go to a treatment center and I would like spend my day like in therapy groups, in group therapy, support groups, et cetera, just trying to get better. And yeah.
0: Wow, that sounds like it was really difficult to go through. Um if you don't mind sharing, what steps did you take to recover from this? And what were the hardest parts of your recovery?
2: Um, I think the biggest step I took to recover was just committing to it fully. Because recovery is something that you can't sort of like half do. you have to put everything you have into it. It's just that difficult. And I think that the hardest part for me was like having to put myself first. Like putting myself first isn't really something that comes naturally to me. And people like don't really encourage that the same way they encourage selflessness. I had to stop volunteering because I couldn't attend those meetings. And that was something I really enjoyed. And another really difficult aspect of putting myself first meant dropping out of school for the time being and switching to an online school. And that was incredibly difficult. I felt like my entire future had been derailed. I felt like all my hard work had been for waste and like for nothing. So like I just had to learn to be okay with that and knowing that I didn't have a future if I still had an eating disorder.
1: Thank you for opening up about that. I think that's really important for our listeners to know that it's really something that you can't half do and something you have to commit to. And it's so amazing to hear that you did do that. Um, So you touched on how you recovered. And you also spoke a little bit about lifestyle changes and losing friends. But just to go a little more in depth, how did your eating disorder and recovery affect your lifestyle
2: generally? Well, I think that the biggest change was like switching from in person school to online school. But with that came like losing my friends because it was hard to maintain those relationships when I was like not at school every day, when I was always busy, when I was like going through a lot emotionally and just was unable to be present with them as a friend and as a person. I was just kind of in my own little bubble for a while and like having to like rebuild those relationships and remake my friendships. It also makes you realize like who's worth keeping in your life, but it was still really hard to like have to accept losing some of them in the first place.
0: And thanks for opening up about that. It seems like it was a really difficult recovery socially and mentally. Um, We also wanted to ask you about your support during this time. Did you have a support system such as family and friends? And also, what would you say to someone who's struggling to find one?
2: So, I think my biggest support system was like the support I got through treatment because it's a bunch of professionals and it's a bunch of people who are at similar points in their recovery to you. But outside of that, I also need to have help at home and like within friends too so I even though I didn't have a great relationship with my family I had to like reform those family connections especially with my mother who actually supported me a lot through my eating disorder recovery and my best friend who was also going through mental health challenges so we went through those things like together and even though we were experiencing different things at the time we were still able to be there for each other. So I think an important thing to know about support systems is that you do need to have one because your choice is in recovery. is like you can either rely on yourself or you can find a support system. And personally, while I don't think it's impossible to recover without anyone supporting you, I think it's so much more difficult. You're going to need to have someone by your side. And a lot of people like find it in a therapist, a close friend, or a family member, but you just need to have someone there regardless of who it is. Because, like, recovery encompasses all of your life, social, mental, emotional. So, like, you can see who you can actually trust and rely on during that process. Because many people can't get through it on their own.
1: Yeah, well, we're definitely very happy to hear that you did reform a lot of family connections. Um, And I just want to emphasize what you just said, which is, according to you, you can't go through it alone. Um, And I think that's something that we touched on during the body dysmorphia episode previously. And that kind of just reaffirms what we said, which is that it's so important to make sure you have someone by your side. So thank you for sharing about that. Um, Now that we kind of talked about support, another important thing that we want to ask you about is community or a safe haven you might have had. Um, so, is there any place you found community or a safe haven that we could relate to our
2: audience so anyone struggling with similar things could find one too? I think the important thing is finding a community where people understand what you're going through and where you're coming from. Um, I volunteer for a youth mental health nonprofit called Safe Space and just thought everyone there has struggled with mental health issues or has like a family member who has. So. At Safe Space, a lot of the people during my recovery were a lot further in their own recoveries from mental illness than I was. And to me, that was very inspiring and motivational to see because I knew from them that it was possible and that I could do it. And that was definitely a source of strength for me, just having people that understood like what I was going through and how it was affecting me.
0: That's so amazing. That's definitely incredibly helpful to our listeners and really anyone who's struggling with similar issues. Unfortunately, with that comes the end of part one of this interview. Kai, thanks so much for sharing your experiences. We can't wait for the next time.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
1: In part two, we'll be talking more about body dysmorphia and its presence in the media and different communities. Thanks for listening and stay tuned. You
2: are listening to Mindful,
1: Beautiful, and Thriving, a podcast series by Tharaka Foundation. As part of our youth series, we will be releasing new episodes every Friday, so make sure to
0: continue to check those out. We hoped you enjoyed this podcast, and thank you so much for listening.